Good morning. Welcome back. Another Shachianu uh, following yesterday's. And um, if uh, you can hear me uh, back there, all the uh, people, you're almost sitting as far as Denver. Uh, you want to open the door over here? Okay. We have, we have an open door policy in case anybody's uncomfortable coming here. We uh, listened to the side. We had a couple of people yesterday. Uh, well, it depends on how many shaylas, uh, how good the shaylas are, you know. So we encourage the shaylas, but we can always, I told uh, Mordechai about the shir yesterday, his seat is by the door anyway, he can go three feet further, which is exactly what he did, so it's good. As long as the alarms aren't on. Okay, so hopefully next week we will even start on time. And we left off last week in Sheftim Peregimel. Let's go back to Pasik Chavtes. The end of the battle with Eir Ben-Geira. Eir Ben-Geira, after Baruch Hashem getting rid of the main problem, and that was Eglon Melech Mayav, he then has the few, I say few because uh, they weren't winning with numbers over here. This is the Siat Shmaya that he was able to succeed and even getting a Pesach that they should throw Eglon's army out. And many of them had been on our side of the Yardane. One of these weeks I'm going to have to bring maps, which we're going to continue to use. Uh, the Yardane, you know where it is, and you have Eretz Yisrael on this side, the western side, the eastern side, has Mayav close by, you have Amon, other nations. And he had made inroads enough to put a stranglehold on Klai Yisrael and take over the city of Yericha and the area around it. And many of his men, a lot of his administration, and he himself at this point was, was around. And once he's no longer alive, Baruch Hashem, the first thing they have to do is sort of what we would call blow up the bridges to make sure they don't go across to the other side and escape back to their country. And he successfully does that. I don't even want to use Witsiat Deshmaya. There's a debate, Witsiat Deshmaya. Does that mean it's really our tremendous uh, planning and keiches and strategy and strength and Air Force is doing it Witsiat Deshmaya, which is always better than not bringing a Kosh Baruch Hu into the equation, Kaviyachal? Or do you recognize that it's completely a Kosh Baruch Hu and we just have, from the Gzair of Adam Rishon, have to stand there and hold a gun or do something because Hashem will give us an ace nigla, even an ace nigla, but only when we do the shtadlis. Hence, Nachshem ben Menadov had to display the Messias Nefesh to jump in. That wasn't even a shtadlis, by the way. That's not, that's not a great example for here. Here, there was a shtadlis. He had some sort of an army waiting to finish everyone off. But Nachshem ben Menadov, jumping in an ocean is not a shtadlis. That's lack of a shtadlis. That's suicide. Over there, the Nisim were on such a level that Hashem just wanted a display of Messias Nefesh. Over here, the Messias Nefesh was that Ayod's going to put himself in extreme danger without anybody there. He sends everybody else away, doesn't even tell anybody about it, and is willing to take his life in his hands to kill Eglon. That's the trigger of Messias Nefesh and the trigger of the Hishtadlisin strategy that once their leader is gone, they're going to not be able to come back and strike back, and we're going to finish them off. That's what's happening here at the end of this parak. And as the madriga goes lower, the more hishtadlis you need. And like anything else in life, 
it's a ripple effect and a downward slope in terms of you need your shtadlis, you need more shtadlis now, once you have more shtadlis, you think it's you more, and you have more kechavei and once that happens, then you think it's you more, and you have less <laughs> bitachon. That's a, that's a problem. The more shtadlis you do, the more of a cover-up there is that a Baruch is behind the scenes, and you could start thinking that it's uh, you and your Air Force and your Army or, or your brilliance in uh, understanding the markets and the like, and you don't have to look very far, especially when it comes to the markets, to understand that you have very brilliant people losing a lot of money and making a lot of money. And it's very hard to track the brilliance and the IQ and understand why this guy would succeed, this guy wouldn't. The answer is because it's all me'ashem yatzadavr. And uh, one of the most startling examples in the last few months I said it might take us many years to catch up, but they're all so fabulous in terms of the Yad Hashem and so heartbreaking in terms of the witnessing of what, uh, what a mess can be created by, uh, at the end of the day, our Gullah's conditions and our Averis. Can't forget that. Everything boils down to the fact that we're in conditions that are... Uh, setting us up that we have to receive messages sometimes, the hard way, and we have to keep davening for Midas HaRachimim, that we get it in a way that we can uh, handle it, get the message, and then raise the bar. So with that said, there was never, ever a situation since records were kept. The market crashes, 1929, you had market crashes since then, and ups and downs. Never had a situation where oil would go so far down that it was in negative numbers. Now, we're not going to go into the economics of it, but <laughs> when somebody told me about it, I thought he just, you know, we were discussing yesterday fake news, so I thought, there is no such thing. How can it be in negative numbers? I spoke about this at my Shabbos table, as I do most of what I end up discussing over here. You have a lot of Baruch Hashem, very smart people there who like to discuss it, and... Um, so, of course, they said, what does it mean? How can oil be negative 16? What did it go down to? Or up to? Or whatever? How would you describe that? Uh, something like that. Negative 16. So, that means we're paying somebody to take it from us? So that's, that's basically what it means. They started asking the experts, says, well, what do you have on the charts for this? They said, we don't have charts for this. It d- doesn't exist. It doesn't, we have no model for this. Right. To yeah. prepare for that, it didn't even, they couldn't even, uh-huh. It's a Kiddush that they even allowed for it, that they built something for it. Because when they asked them about what's going on, you know, they always like asking the quote-unquote experts who can never call these right. An expert would be a guy who called the shots 5% of the time correctly. So they asked the experts, well, what do you have to say going forward? So, well, we don't have any models for it. So we have a scenario. We don't even have any, tri- even in theory, and these guys love doing things in theory, they don't even have anything for it. It's a Kiddush they even had the thing that can go down. But, you know, you could say, says, what? so then they, uh, this is going to come up, uh, we're going to get back to this in the Baltashkis year. You know, how much oil should you be dumping and when is that Baltashkis? So then they realize, well, maybe, <laughs> you, wouldn't, again, you couldn't make this up. Then you said, well, maybe it's cheaper to keep it in the ground. Okay, that's also Baltashkis, but then you've got to close it up and you can't open it. This is not the spot. This is the 
future. Right. That's the fundamental difference. I understand, I understand. But it's indicative of the fact that, okay, we're in a situation no one would ever dream in the worst nightmare. We have tankers at sea, and we have stuff here. We don't, nobody knows what in the world are we going to do with all this stuff. No one's using it. So, you know, that's just a reminder. And we, we don't take it. It was a disaster for many people financially. Of course, many people made a lot of money on it. But... There's a scenario where how can you believe in you can't even, not only didn't you know about this, you don't even have a model that can predict such a thing. And there are many such examples in the very recent past. That's why it's an important, uh, whenever I discuss uh, these things, these particular examples, the women at the, at the Shabbos table don't really know. Can we discuss something besides economics? I said, it's Shabbos. I'm not here to discuss economics. I'm here to discuss the uh, lesson and the, of, of what, what is going on in the world. So then we... Um, sort of explain everything, and uh, one of the uh, people who are not in the economics says, I don't understand, why can't the humans consider bartering everything? What do you have to have so compl- such complicated <laughs> So I said, that's been asked before also, but that's a whole different schmooze. Uh, I'll get into socialism. It doesn't work because there's no motivation. Lamaisa, the danger, the more you're doing, the more you think you're doing it. That's the takeaway over here. And the godless of Ehud ben Geira, as he fully understood, as all the Shevetim did, that there are far too many things that could have gone wrong in his plan to single-handedly kill Eglon. And so many things could have gone wrong in the aftermath. They had a very strong army on our side of the Yardin. And the fact that we're reading it in Tamsukim, and sure, what a great plan. You take uh, an emperor, you make sure all the guards are nowhere within sight, which is their huge mistake, but they realize it afterwards, and then make sure that you manage to blow up all the bridges beforehand. And, and any of these plans, it's um, great on paper, and it wasn't even so great on paper, but the fact that it actually worked is to the credit of the Chuva process, Without the tshuva, this doesn't go back up. That's the theme of all these prokim. And the fact that there was a tzaddik yisadeilam who had very strong mitachon and amuna and also had the courage to say, look, it's a plan that is almost suicidal, but I have a chiv to do it because I think Klaizol now did enough tshuva that there's a chance that Kosh Baruch will be maskim. And he had the Ruch HaKadosh to back it up, but that still is not a... Not a sure thing if you have Hirhurim of Gaiva or anything in the process, something could go wrong, even as you're doing it. So that's not to be taken for granted. I'm mentioning that now because this is the early chronicles of the Yeshua's that will happen, and the Yeshua's that constantly happen now, but still happening because Klaisol is still here and Hashem promised will be here. The Duris that uh, we have now face a bigger challenge of looking for the Nase and looking for the Yad Hashem and not thinking that it was them and understanding that it depends on some element of Tshuva, even if all of Klai is not doing Tshuva. And to understand that you can't look at the people who don't know what Tshuva is. You have to look at ourselves to understand that it's up to us. That's the lesson for us right now. Let's go back to Pasuk Haftes. V'yaku asmoyev be'esahi. So he had 10,000 of his elite troops in Yisrael maintaining control for many, many years, and nobody raised their head. And now, Baruch Hashem, they managed to eliminate every single one down to the last man. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
why is he saying it to them? He, I, I think he's trying to give them... Right, it's like, you guys, you guys. Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, right, right, right. So I think Nasan Hashem Salveichem is to show this is being done for you. Hashem's Rachamim, that this is all for you. Meaning, not just for me, but the masses are the ones, A, who didn't have to do tshuva. I mean, Ed did his own tshuva because he was a tzaddik, he was always doing tshuva. But the shayfet in all of these prokim is the one leading them, and the one already has the message that we have to stay in the Madrega to merit Eretz Yisrael. So I think the focus, a very good day, by the way, I, I think the focus over here is the fact that the ayiv being in your hands and not, and Hashem giving it to, to you or not, depends on your Madrega and your tshuva and your movement. And now I see you did enough tshuva that Hashem is putting it back in your hands. And that's not Gaivan, his part, that I didn't have to do tshuva, the tzaddikim do tshuva more. And you always wonder, you know, Yam Naram, sometimes the people that are crying and uh, are more out of sorts, the people that want to these, the only people don't have to do tshuva. So they understand they do in their own way, but Lamaisa for this, in terms of the intermarriage, the Avodah the big things that had to be fixed was not the Shefetz issue. It was, Klaius was complaining, why did Hashem leave us? Why is Hashem not protecting us? And the Shefetz message from Hashem is, it's all up to you and what your madrig is and how you're doing your job. So now you have an opportunity, you promised to do your job, so Hashem gave it back to you. I, th- I think that's the message. But it's, uh, it's a very good deal. Yes? That's an interesting thing. That's uh, different than what I just said, maybe that's the, be fitting with the Pasha Shad also. He's trying to say, if you do tshuva, you see what Hashem does for you, but now you did tshuva and it's in your schuz. So it can be fitting also. In other words, the fact that you see what tshuva does, you see what tefillah does, you see. So he didn't want to take any credit, even though obviously he deserves much of the credit. So yeah, I, I don't think that's a steer. I think that might compliment it. That's, uh, yeah, that's very good. It's an excellent diak. Let's go back to Pasik Lamed. So it was such a decisive victory, the last three words by the Chavtes, La Nimlat Ish. They got it down to the last man. That's significant because in the next Misa, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the enemy and how it uh, dealt with in terms of uh, Dvera, in terms of Baruch, and the total annihilation of the enemy. You could have an effect and have a victory if you kill 51%, if you kill 91%, you kill 99%. It doesn't have to be to the last man. It's more obvious as a nace when it's hakobako. So part of the nace over here is the fact that they really were shown that this is not normal. You took, uh, you took on an enemy that's much stronger. There's no official organization of an army. Keep that in mind. And all the shayftim, by the way. It was an ad hoc situation. So whenever they did tshuva at such point, then the navi slash shayfet, not every shayfet was a navi, got the message, okay, now it's time to push back. On paper, it didn't make any more sense starting a battle and starting a revolt than it did yesterday, the day before, the week before, the week before that. But in Shemayim, there was a gauge, and okay, the truth of the tzvilas hit a certain mark, so go do it. And once they did it, there was echa to see the nays, not only in winning, but down to the last person. No, I'm saying not all shaytum but, but they had the, either they had the direction, well, 
when we spoke about Eud, sounds like the, which I'll go back to in a moment, when he came to Eglon and he said, I have a message from Hashem. So there was a debate to the Mepharshim. Was, it was definitely a ruse, which you had a right to use. Was there, you know, you can't say, I have a Dvar Hashem, without having a Dvar Hashem. So many Mepharshim say, no, we had a Dvar Hashem. Was the Dvar Hashem based on other psukim that he knew applied to him? That's one possibility, and that's not a steer, it's the next possibility. Or did he have a direct nevuah now? And Eyo told him, and Eglon took it as such. He stood up, got huge schar for that, as in Rus and the Malchus. I'll get back to that in a moment as well. And that was a, either a Ruach HaKesh, depending which shot you take, or a direct nevuah now. Dever is going to have direct nevuah. That's uh, coming up. So at such time as that happened, they were zeicha because of the trigger of the tshuva getting to a certain point that they not only saw a victory, but they saw it complete. They utterly destroyed the enemy. And when it comes to Devera, the similarities between what happens by the fight by Haratabar and Achal Kishon, the similarities between Kriya Siamsuf are going to be extremely astounding and striking and Medrash is going to pick up on it a lot, uh, down to literally the last man, that just like by Kriyas Yamsuf, Mitzrayim goes in, and everyone is killed, except for, and this is Machalik, the Medrash, did Pyro survive, or there was no other survivor besides him, and he survived, became king in Nimrod, and the same thing is going to happen with Sisera. So this is to show them the different levels of Nes Nicholas, to show them how much of the Yad Hashem was uh, completely involved in the Midas HaChesed to show them this is me, Kaviyachol, doing it. So, again, that is the longest period of time a Shefet will reign. 80 years, that means Eyob Ben-Gera was quite elderly at the end, which is why Shamgar, who's an ex-Shefet, already started assisting him in the latter years and by the time he's Nifter, Shamgar continues the role as now Shofit for a year. That's pretty short. The rational answer is he was so like the assistant Shofit for years before that. And there was one other year that he survived and he was the Shofit. And that's why we don't have a lot about him because he was sort of like a, at the end of Eud's reign, so to speak, uh, a co-shefet. So we're going to get to that in a moment. I just want to go back and mention, and we're not going to do it this week, I'll try to get to it uh, the next week or two. There's an interesting discussion in the Pesachim about a very practical matter that we have every day in davening, three times a day. And one of the Makaris is based on Eglon getting up when Eyud told him, I have the Dvar Hashem, I have a message to you from Akash Baruch Hu. and he strains himself to get up. That was as chus for him, perhaps the first chus in his life, and the very last chus in his life, because he was no longer alive a minute later. And because of that, was probably already born, but pushed, gave extra siyat tashmaya that uh, they should be zechah to... Uh, build a, uh, I mean, Rus come back, and Rus comes into Klai Yisrael, and then she gets the uh, tremendous chus of Malchus Beis David. So part of that is Eglon. That's the one mice of getting up just in the covet of the Var Hashem. So, this Yerushalmi, the adventure of any Yerushalmi, I use that word with reverence, learning should be an adventure. It should be exciting, and, uh, and it is. So, the adventure of every Yerushalmi is trying to figure out 
whether there's a Bavli that argues, and if the Bavli argues, where is it? We've had many such examples. Sometimes it's Beferish, Machlech is Bavli Yishamli, a straight Machlech is Bavli Yishamli. We will usually pass them like the Bavli. are some exceptions to that. Uh, the reason is not because the Bavli, normally should pass them, you would think like a Yishamli, Kimi Tzion Teitzei we should have a claw we pass like the Yishami against the Bavli. The reason the claw is the Bavli is against the Yishami is because historically the Bavli was Basra because the Yishami was cut short because the Romans raised their persecution to such a level that um, everybody was either killed or driven out of Eretz Yisrael. And Rabbi Echanan's Tamidim, it ended a couple of generations later and then whoever survived went above them and joined the beginning of the great Asifa of started at Rav's time, ended up being Ravashi, Avin Ravashi, of Chasim Satamud. So anybody who contributed from Eretz Yisrael and had the greatest respect for their colleagues in Eretz Yisrael ended up coming to Bovel, so they had a discussion together, and then later on it was finished in Bovel, Salacha Kebasra, within the Kufa of Amaroim, and that's why it passed like the Bavli. It's not because the Bavlim had that superiority over Eretz Yisrael, it was the fact that they all came, and that's why it passed like the Bavli. So if you find a Bavli, by and large, you pass like the Bavli. If you can't, and the Bavli doesn't say anything, and you have a Yerushalmi, so the question is, is the Bavli not saying anything? Is Mestimus Lashainam, they don't hold of it? Or no, the Yerushalmi is saying a point, the Bavli would agree, and they didn't say anything either way, but there's not Machalikas. That's the, yeah. What's the time span between the killing of that one and Misa, which was... Uh... Oh, that's a very uh, big... <laughs> uh, there's a tremendous Machalikas about that. The reason why I mentioned Derech Agav, um, that Rus was probably alive, she was a daughter or granddaughter, that's already a Machalikas in Madrashim, is because according to some Adamim, it was concurrent, it all depends on the other Machlekes, who was Bayas and who was Ifsen and when this took place. But many Mepharshim say it was around now, which means she was alive. And then what does it mean that because he stood up, he ended up having a descendant of Rus and Davra Melch and Shlomo? The answer is it's not a stira. She could have been alive, but didn't yet join or was joining, but neither Siat Hashemaya of marrying in and having children that would be Malz based David. So all the Mepharshim could fit in. But there's a Machlekes, whether it took place concurrent, uh, right before, right after. But either way, you have to fit in with this Medjish. Because everybody's masking that he got the schus of Malz based David. What? Right, right, that's right. It's independent of the other Machlekes. So there are very many Midrashim on exactly when it was, but it's not a stira. We can. That's why I made that remark, which triggered your question. Is She could have been alive already, but this means that it added Siat to her journey and her joining, and then Malchus Bez David forming, and then this uh, Medjish by Eglon says that he had the schus of Rus, and then he had the schus of the Kisei Malchus. So he got up from his Kisei, he had the schus of the Kisei Malchus of Shlomo Melch. Going like the Medrash almost sounds like that she was alive still in the time of Shalom There's one famous Medrash that uh, she was still alive and she, he took a seat for the Aim Hamalchus was, was her also. It's one, that means she was very old. Uh, and I think it's a reference to the Drusha we were discussing recently about the Briskorov's comment on the Ramam in Perish Mishnayis and Perish Chelik, where the Ramam has an arichus on the Yud Gimel Ikarim, basically. And he says there that the famous that you have to believe in the Mashiach, you have to want the Mashiach, and you have to be Mechaka Bechal Yom And then the Ram says something very startling. You have to believe that it's coming from Malchus Beis David, and that we know. He said, you have to believe it's coming from Malchus Beis David through Shlomo Melch. Why is that an Iker? Why is that even an important fact? And if you remember, we discussed, it's not only an important fact, it's, 
It's very counterintuitive. David Malach had many wonderful children, many big tzaddikim, Kilov and others. You would think the last person you'd ever want to put on the throne is Shlomo Melech. It was so controversial. Basheva, the whole Maisa Basheva. Don't bring it up again. Don't put Shlomo on the He's the product of that union. And David Melech did. And Navi agreed from Akash Baruch that he's the one. And that to remind everybody, and that's why Adonio almost got away with his rebellion because he convinced the people. He's 12 years old and he's a product of we don't want to discuss. So, therefore, a lot of people automatically, all the bloggers and everybody automatically got on, on his side, and the rebellion almost got us the ground. So, Hataka, why is it from Shlomo? So, you remember, I, we, we spoke, I think the aside is that Shlomo represents what Tshuva can do, and the fact that David Melch was right for marrying Basheva. The timing was a little bit off the circumstance that he did Tshuva for that, but he was right. Shlomo represents that if you're right, you've got to keep going, even if you make a mistake. That's the aside. That's such an important aside. Why? Exactly, it would have, and, and it would have been, and, and she pushed off, she understood this also. She said, a very bad mistake, we both suffered for it, but it was right. So, we got to do it. That's so important, like, that some people give up because they make a mistake along the way, even though what they're doing is correct. The Eight Sahara is trying to make you trip, so you don't get up again. That's the aside, which I didn't do justice to now, but we've, we recently uh, discussed it. And the fact that that Medrash points out that she was there by Shlomo, I think has to do with that. That, and this measure says it, that he's going to be Zecha, he stood up for the covenant of Hashem, and we're going to see later on he's going to have a Kisei of Shlomo. Why are we talking about the Kisei of Shlomo? We're talking about the Kisei of David. We focus on Shlomo. I think it's the same, I think it's the same you said. So, Apiolacha, going back to what we have every day, three times a day. So the Yushalmi says that he got up, and from here we have a Kalvachimer, that of Eglon, who didn't really here, the Shem Hashem in his, the pristine form he heard in his own language, Akinui, and he's willing to machabit that name because that's what he knew. He understood it was still the God of the Jews. Still confused that he thought there was a God of the Jews and other gods, Islam, but he understood he asked me to machabit it. So, Koshkin, when we hear the Shem Hashem, the real Shem Hashem, and we hear it in the context of the only God, in the context of a bracha, in the context of a baruchu, of a, of a kaddish, and he's like, you have to stand. And the Shaman says, that's the Makar, you have to stand for Baruch Hu and Kaddish and Kedusha. So, for the Ashkenazim sitting here, which is, uh, right now, happens to be all of you, or most of you, so, of course, we know the din is, you've got to stand up for Adavish and Kedusha. But, that's far from Parshat. Do we hold like this, the Allah, is it a Chumrah, is it not? Uh, there's a big Machalik that comes out, the Sfarim, the Ashkenazim, it's a Shem next week, uh, have a chance to make the Marmachemis, so I'll show you perhaps one short tshuva on it, where he, Yechavadaz, goes through the various shitas, and the Sephardim, by and large, don't stand up for it, not because any lack of covet, they have tremendous covet, tefillin based kinesis, you could say, even, even more sometimes, <laughs> actually say every word out loud, and uh, tremendous covet, so it's not a question of who has more covet, who has less covet, Shai Lizbu, Pas Naitis, Yushalmi, and the Raya is interesting, it's a Kavachimer from Eglon, and say, is it a good Kavachimer, is it not a good Kavachimer, so I, I do want to go on now, but I do want to get back to that because that's an important akuda. and there's a middle shita that if you're standing already, you should remain standing, but you have to stand up special. And um, some have the meaning which he's going to bring down that they stand up by dafka baruchu of Shabbos because there's a kadusha of Kabbalah Shabbos. It might depend on where it is in davening, but there is a big tumult about it. But everybody's masking. He got schar for it, and it was a chash of The shaylids as it affected halacha in davening. So, Mitzvah Shem, we plan to get back to that. Uh, let's read one more pasuk, and then we will uh, 
go to the Peleyates, which I'd like to get to. Pasuk Lamed Aleph. Acharav haya shamger ben anas, as we just mentioned. Vayach es plishtim sheish meis ish. Bemelamed, bemelamed habakar. That's an ox goad. We don't have too many ox goads around. There are too many oxen that we're driving, but it's a... Uh, it's not a regular conventional weapon that you have to defend yourself with and kill people with. Uh, we're going to see it's a similar thing with Shimshon. It takes a bone. Vayesha Gamhu et Yisrael. And it mentions Gamhu because he was already a Shefet, as I mentioned at the time of Ehud's uh, older age. He was helping out, and then he was for one year afterwards. And the nace was apparent it's very hard to kill anybody. With an ox goat, certainly Sheshmer's Ish. Some of Farshim say he was working in the field and he was attacked by the Plishtim because they, he was a wanted man because he was a chef of Yisrael and he was defending Klai Yisrael and he managed to defend himself and kill 600 of them. And the Plishtim, uh, as we were warned, are going to keep coming back like a very bad penny. And for somebody who is, we mentioned in the beginning of our introduction to Sheftim, are they part of Yisrael or not? The most people can say they are. And we have Eretz Yisrael from sea to shining sea. Yes, the Yardane to the Mediterranean. The Yardane is not much of a sea. We also have Eber Yardain. But we have to the coast, and the Plishtim are here. And the question will always be, why are they still here? It's due to the fact that they didn't get rid of them, and the Averis of not being proactive are going to be boiled, Dafka when it comes to the Plishtim. As far as David HaMelech, Adva Abachlal, he's still going to be dealing with them. So we see them over here. And that wasn't the enemy we're dealing with this parak. We were dealing with Mayav, not the Plishtim. And you see it right at the end of his reign, he's got to get rid of 600 Plishtim who are attacking, and that's uh, not a great simon of what is coming. That's what I'm saying. Mayav was not even in Eretz Yisrael proper. The country of Mayav is outside of Eretz Yisrael. The Plishtim are in Gaza, as they always were, and therefore they had a vantage point of attack that they're not coming from somewhere else where you could sort of throw them out. You really have to finish them off if you want to get them off the land, and they're in our land, and that part is the last part to be conquered. Just almost like a mice of a similar bottom, but it's not the others, but it's just eerie that we're still dealing with the same, their Yishmaelite perhaps, not Plishtim, but the same area is the hot spot. No, no. Two different places completely. The polar, the Mayavas on the other side, the, past the eastern banks of the Ardain, and they're next to the Mediterranean. So Mayav is finished, and they're not coming back, by the way. One of the, one of the few people who are Taka gone, they, they're not coming. They're not interested in coming back. They have their own country. It was Modena. Why were they here in the first place? What do they need Yericho for? The answer is because it was sent as a punishing rod. That's all. Right now, Mayav was the, was the threat that Ehud was dealing with. The Plishtim are starting up, and they will do this from time so to time. Yes. No, actually, we're going to go on to uh, the Kananim, believe it or not. This is just one passing in between. As so I'm mentioning, the Plishtim keep coming back in between as a, um, can't say as a filler, but uh, they're... Yes, Shemshin is uh, at the end of uh, Shaftim, but David is still, still dealing with them. So, so they're going to be around for a while. Let's go to the Peleates. And Mitzvah Shem, we will start Perry Dalid next uh, week. There are Peleates available in the box.
If you go to page Nunhe in the second half of the Sefer, we're going to start a new entry today, Machshava. Very apropos to everything we do in Avodah Hashem, because as we spoke about yesterday at length, it's not only dependent on the Maisa mitzvah we do, or not doing a Maisa Avera. It depends on the machshava, and sometimes, unless we think about it very long and hard, it's not even obvious to us, sometimes buried pretty deeply, on what machshavas are motivating us to do mitzvahs, and are we really raising the bar in having the most proper, pure machshavas. Now, we have a klal, which is a good klal to start with for our madrega, so even if you're doing something for covid, you're giving staka, whatever you're doing for covid. That's a good start. Better to do it and do it shalom l'shema. If you're doing it, Lakantar Taisa says, you're doing it to chepper somebody else, to push somebody else down, then it's better you shouldn't be doing it. But if you're doing it not so l'shema, mitay shalom l'shema ba l'shema, Rechaim says that it's a lifetime of activity, and if you raise the bar from 14% to 22%, that's also something. But you've got to keep working on it. The purity of Machshava is an ikr in doing the mitzvahs, and yesterday's very jarring example is that Klai is held accountable, it's called a Peronius, that they were told that Tzivui from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, tomorrow you're leaving Harsina, I've been here almost a year, it's time to move on, we're going to Israel, everybody pack up, and there was a Tzivui, a Mitzvah Daraisa from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Harasha, Mitzvah Daraisa, but a Mitzvah Daraisa, Hashem said, you're leaving tomorrow, everybody get going. So, dutifully, they packed up. And they left. What can possibly go wrong? Why is it called Peronius? So we know Rashi brings down from Chazal that deep in the recesses of their heart, of some of them, enough that it's called Peronius for Klai Yisrael, they were sort of happy, oh, Baruch Hashem, we're leaving. If we stay around longer, we might get more mitzvahs. And we don't want that. We have enough, and we'll do what, we'll do what we're told, and we're going to try to do what we have, but we don't need more. So, Ketina Kabarech Mibesa Sefer. You couldn't tell. Nobody was crass enough to say that. And if you'd ask most people, they would say, I wasn't thinking that. And Hashem would say, perhaps you didn't know you were thinking that, but it's still enough of a taina that you were walking a little bit too quickly and you were trying to move quickly even though the anon's taking you and you were very happy that Baruch Hashem Seder ended and you're not staying around. And that was a taina, and that's called Peronius. And the Ibn Sayyid had to separate between that Peronius and the overt complaining of the Misenonim and the people who wanted Slav and all the other disasters, which were much more apparent that they were complaining about nothing. So that's pretty frightening. It's also uplifting. It means that there's always work to do, and as we're doing mitzvahs, you should never think that we did it perfectly. First of all, we probably don't do it perfectly even in the Misa, but even if you got that down pat, you have the most Mahudadikah to fill in, you have the most Mahudadikah, Sefer Torah, and everything looks perfect the next step is to work on the machshavas that you have and the simcha that you have and the zizas that you have to be able to do it properly. And that's what this is about. Let's just read a, a few of the lines. Machshava teva. Marav teva shabbat talde The amount of positive machshavas and the amount of lishma and the amount of purity of neshama and getting rid of the bad midas that involve everything we do, the covet and the kinah, all that is really the extra mysterious nefesh that you're doing for a mitzvah, and that's what gives it its, uh, certainly this Rizus and the Simcha Shabbat, it gives it its wings to be able to go further. According to the purity of the Machshavas and the Kavanas, 
is Mamshech the Gedusha from the Mitzvah, and Devon Shabbat Gedusha, Mamshech Lov Gedusha, and Meher and Mariam, and unfortunately on the negative side, uh, her and Mariam are an Isser Bifne Atma, but they also pollute the Neshama, they also pollute the atmosphere. It's a tremendous, tremendous Kayach we're given, a, along with it, a tremendous responsibility. Chayav Lajna talks about this a lot, and all the Svarma Kadeshim do, that we are, especially as the Amanifcher, as people that have inherent Kedusha, have an inherent schus and a tremendous, tremendous responsibility. We don't like to think in this way. We think uh, all of a sudden, anivus, ma'ani, mi'ani. We have a machshava raw. It can affect the stratosphere. We can now, as the Chavaz Chaim always said in his time, with the uh, great invention of the uh, record player, they called it something else then, a phonograph, what do they call it, a phonograph? Uh, phonograph, right? That thing you have to crank up and, right? Yeah, so he said, that's because Nebuchadnezzar, our low level, we don't think Ayin Roya and Eizen Shama, such a powerful. He said that in his time. Now we're in such a low madriga, we have to have missions to Mars and they're building starships and they're building. What do we have to be so involved in the solar system? Do you ever think about that? Everything that's done on Earth is for our Muslims. So Mr. Musk is uh, sent, um, not giving him more credit uh, then, but okay, as, a, as an Akum, as an he's exploring the world and you know, if he's doing it relatively safely and. Things that Mr. Shem don't blow up, so that uh, could be part of his tachas hachaim. What, what's in it for us? What are we supposed to glean from the uh, pictures of the solar system and the shots they're getting of Mars and all the other things? And they, and they bring, what, what's all that for? It's, it's for this Peliyat, uh, for the Nefesh Achaim, that when we have a machshava of Kedusha, it affects the entire solar system. And Rachmal Zlan, Lehepach, you have machshava of Tuma, it doesn't just affect us, it affects the entire world. And the stars and the, we're going to, you know, it's hard to t- avoid the Nyane Nister when it's preparing in the Pesukim. We're going to get the Devera, the next uh, Peric. And she, and she was Devera. She starts talking about the stars and the effect of the stratosphere. That's all, they're not independent bodies, of course. That's Avodazar. But Hashem made a very large solar system, an endless solar system out there. And all that affects the Bria, and it's powered by our machshavas for good and for good. Ben Lutay, Ben Lamutuf. A very important Yisait and Nister. And we don't have to know exactly what's going on there, but the fact that Kosh now in Armageddon shows us more and more of the solar system, it's not uh, every time there's another breakthrough, you know, people come over and ask me, is Al uh, Shkafa, the people on Mars? And I said, irrelevant, that's not the discussion over here. There's nobody there. They keep looking because that would uh, further their own agenda, which is pretty nefarious. But it, it, there's nobody there. Don't waste your time. Uh, and if there's somebody there, it's, it's irrelevant. Uh, but there's nobody there. And I'd bet a lot of money on that. And all this is here to show the vastness of what Akash Baruch created and to show that there's so much more that we don't know. And when you talk about affecting systems, we're affecting a lot more that we don't know. And Hashem is showing us a, a glimpse of it. That's the purpose of this. And that's what he's saying over here, Ben Latay, Ben Lamutav. You give Mamshech Kedusha and affect the whole solar system. That doesn't mean we're helping the Martians grow in their Ruchnias. It, it means that the stars, everything is, is a mirror image of the Gashmias representing Ruchnias. And Hashem always wants to remind us of the vastness of it and how it affects day to day life here on earth. Now, 
and very, very, uh, the Pelietz is really putting a lot of Kabbalah into a few lines, but he said a person, when he thinks of certain things, he becomes a chalik of that. So if it's in Yanni Kedusha, he belongs more to those Kaychis, and if Ahmad al-Islam, it's in Yanni Tuma, that locks in and has more of a shlita on him. So it's not just that Iram happens to be a lav daraisa, which it is, it also has a very negative effect. Nothing you can't grow out of, nothing you can't do tshuva from. But understand that <coughs> anybody who happens to come with the attitude, well, just a passing thought, just a fleeting thought, and I've had people who are, I mean them otherwise, they're just missing a pretty important piece of information. They say, just a fleeting thought, why would Hashem help, hold me accountable for that? I said, it's a pasuk. Of course Hashem hope. You have to try your best, we're not perfect. But machshavas in Kedusha and in negative areas are our responsibility. Mitzvahs and Averis apply a lot in the realm of machshava. And yes, of course, we're responsible to try our hardest. It's not going to be a perfect science. But there is no such thing as, well, I didn't say anything, I didn't hurt anybody. That's not correct. And it can be used, Bein L'tayv, Bein L'mutav, our job is to use it L'tayv. Mitzvah we will continue next week. The Shem will be um, here tomorrow night, upstairs, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and the other Sherm as well. So please uh, watch your emails.